Well, as I said earlier, my name is Jeremiah Smith. I'm the pastor here at University Baptist Church. Uh, today is a slightly different approach to our service because uh, we're going to have someone else preach. And the reason that's different is because I'm still here. Uh, the previous times where you guys have been blessed by, by some of the other gifted teachers in our congregation, it's usually be as a result of my traveling or, or on vacation, something along those lines. Uh, and so I wanted to give you just two quick explanations as to why we chose to do this. Number one is that I, I believe that it's beneficial to the church to hear from more than one voice. And so while I will always hold the primary responsibility of, of providing the message and teaching and leading this church, uh, I also believe it's good for you and good for the body to enrich other people who also have the gift of te teaching. And so I think it's good for us to hear different perspectives from time to time. And so you've been blessed, at least since I've been here, to, to hear from Brian Briscoe, to hear from Matt Bowen. And today, uh, we're going to create an opportunity for you to hear from Jason Simon, our new student minister. And uh, that, that is, again, just speaking into something that I would tell you to, to kind of anticipate on some level as being a part of this church is that there are going to be Sundays where we give the space to, for other people to share in God's word. And I love that. And, and I look forward to being enriched uh, by Jason's message today, but also wanted you all to know that that's just part of the culture that we want to create here on Sunday morning. So it'll be a little odd for me. I get a little rambunctious, so if you see me just start pacing around down on the front row, that's just because I'm normally walking back and forth during this time. But uh, with that being said, let me invite Jason up, and I wanna tell you a little bit of why I wanted to give him an opportunity to speak. Um, one of the reasons is that in the last two years since I've been here, I guess there have been, if you include myself, three different ministers that have been invited to come and be a part of the staff here at the church. And so when you invited me to come in view of a call, I had to preach. When we invited Matt to come in view of a call, he had to sing. So we gave Jason an option. We said, you can either sing or preach, but you gotta do one or the other. And so I'm he chose preaching. Yeah. And so uh, Jason is a phenomenal young man who has uh, just a genuine heart for Jesus. And you all have had a chance when he came, what, it was about a month ago, a little bit more than yeah, a month ago, I guess. a month. Um, to, to have a little bit of a time in more of an informal setting. But I really wanted you all to have a chance just to hear his heart and to give him an opportunity to share what God's doing in his life as he comes to the word. And so he's got a great message prepared for us today. And so Jason, thank you thank so you. much. Excited that you're here. And so if y'all don't mind, just go ahead and put your hands together for Jason Simon. Thank you. I expected a longer clap than that, but it's fine. Good morning, y'all. Um, well, as Pastor Jeremiah said, I am Jason Simon. I'm the new student minister here at UBC, which means I work with really everyone, um, but specifically seventh grade through college. So I am here for all of you guys. I'm gonna fix this real quick. I don't really know what to do with my hands right now, so if I keep touching this, I'm sorry. Um, but no, I work with the students, and that has been a gift. Um, but before I start, I really wanna thank you guys um, as a congregation for the way that you have welcomed myself in, the way that you've welcomed my family, um, be it Ashley and Davis who are back there, or like my whole extended family who's taking up a whole section of the church today. Um, but I just thank you guys for the way that you've welcomed us in this month, um, really in the few months that we did um, the interview process, and now that we're here, your arms have just been open from the very beginning, and that says a lot about you guys. And we have been grateful. Even um, just this week, I got an email from one of our members here at the church, and she said, um, she had a friend that was visiting from out of town who came to church with her last Sunday and said the welcome that she received was just phenomenal from top to bottom. She was blessed by the way people greeted her. They, they thanked her for being a part of their Sunday. They were grateful to be a part of hers. So I just want to thank you guys at the forefront 
um, for the way that you've welcomed me, the way that you've welcomed my family, the way that you welcome strangers. I think that's a beautiful uh, picture of the gospel. So thank you guys for that, first of all. We're going to talk about Philippians. It's posted in your bulletin there. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 2 if you want to open your Bible to that. Um, While you're opening to Philippians chapter 2, though, I want to talk to you about posture. You guys know I'm talking about posture? Yes, I can see some of you already, like, shifting up in your seats and sitting straight. Right, posture, the way that you sit or stand, um, how you communicate your body language to people. Posture is a big deal, believe it or not. Um, There is a whole institute, which there are institutes of everything. There's a whole institute. It's the International Posture Institute. I would have known that unless I was researching for this message. But I came across some research that was really interesting to me about posture. Um, You know, do any of you know anyone that just has, like, really good posture? Like, the person that you, like, walk up to and they're just always seem, like, perfectly straight. They can do, like, the book balance on the head. I can't do that. I don't know if it's my posture or if it's because my head's shaped funny, but I know people that have really good posture. I don't. In fact, um, I have four older brothers, and we kind of had this little joke amongst us that we have a Simon slouch. So um, we would all be about two inches taller if we stood straight, but what happens is my brothers, we take our shoulders and we like roll them as far forward as possible and then just kind of let gravity like do the rest. And anytime you walk up, like at Christmas, everyone just kind of like has this caveman stance posture is not, not good in my family. Um, but when I started running, um, I do enjoy running. Pastor Jeremiah has joked about this a lot, kind of poked fun. It's okay. I'm still here um, about runners. Um, but when I started running, um, I did a lot of research on posture because it's really important. Um, there was a, a study done by Runner's World, which is this popular running magazine. So of everyone that runs, um, not just like from bears or little siblings, but like runs for fun, um, people that train, of all injuries that get reported to the doctor go directly back to posture. It's like how you stand when you run. Because if you think about it, if you're training, again, not just like running from a bear, but you're like training every day, you just have this repetitive like pounding on your joints. So if you're a little bit off, like if you run a little bit heavy on one side, or if your back's a little bit too straight, or if you're a little too far forward, over time, all that running can cause major injuries, actually, injuries where you have to take time off or or maybe even get surgery and things like that. Um, In fact, it's a huge industry, right? Posture can cost healthcare thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars because people aren't sitting right. When I, um, I had to see an orthopedist a couple months ago, it was related to running, wasn't related to posture. It's kind of a long story. I'll tell you some other time. Basically, I fell because a tree hit me when I was running. But... I was seeing this orthopedist, and I was talking to him, and a lot of his patients that he sees, they have work-related injuries, they have back pain, or they have knee pain, or neck pain. A lot of it doesn't involve actually getting hurt on the job. It just relates to their posture. While they're sitting at their desk all day, they're walking back and forth, right? Posture can be a big deal. Um, There's this thing now called video game back. Has anybody here heard of video game back? Like my generation and kind of the generation coming up under me has this huge prevalence of lower back pain, which has never happened before because we are constantly on the computer. So you're either like sitting. I had a typing class. You're supposed to like sit perfectly straight. Your arms aren't supposed to touch the table and you're supposed to type. Does anyone do that? No, you're like down, you're on the level, right? Or you're like playing and your back is hunched and you get this lower back pain. So I'll kind of move back to posture, but we're gonna talk about it throughout the message because if you've been here any of the last six or so weeks, 
um, we've been talking about our identity, our identity as a church, but our identity specifically as believers, as Christians. And I kind of think what we've talked about, all these things kind of inform what our heart's posture should be. You know, when you see someone that has bad posture, it's very evident. Or if they have like an aggressive posture, it's very evident. And when you see someone has good posture, that's also very evident. So um, over the last few weeks, we've talked about being gospel-centered um, as, a, as a body of believers, but also individually. We've talked about being biblically guided. Um, we've talked about why the church emphasizes prayer and fasting and why that's so important to us. We've talked about discipling, um, that we want to be a church that pours into each other to pour into each other to continue growing. Um, we've talked about when we worship, we don't just do it as a checkbox on our Sunday list, but we come, we worship in spirit. And when we give, we give everything because that's what we saw the Lord do was give everything for us. So when we give, we give holistically. And we talked about families, a lot of families in here. Families are so important here at UBC. We value you. Um, my family has felt valued and we've loved that. And then we talked about being a loving community, a community that's here to support each other, to support anyone that walks through those big, heavy, scary wooden doors at the front of the church, right? Or the side doors or whatever. We wanna be a community that loves. So all of these things, all of these are postures of our heart. And in Philippians, this, what we're gonna read here in a minute, Paul is getting at why our posture should be what it is and what that should mean for our lives. Because we've done a lot of the internal work over the last few weeks. What, what beliefs, what values should we be holding inside? But today we're gonna talk about taking those things that are inside and living them out. So you're in Philippians, you're in chapter two. Some background about the letter real quick. Most of you um, know a lot of these things, but Paul's writing to the church in Philippi. Um, he's writing to thank them for some gifts that they've given him that have helped him along his journey He's writing to kind of update them on his circumstances, um, where he's at in his ministry. He's um, encouraging them to stand firm against some things they're facing, especially against some false teaching that's coming against them. He's praising Timothy and Epaphroditus for some work that they've done, but he's also, he's exhorting them to humility and he's exhorting them to unity. So that's where we kind of jump in right here. So um, Philippians 2, we're going to read um, verses 3, 4, and 5. It says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So I want to take these verses, specifically verses three and four, and kind of break them down and look at those with you guys, because um, they've really informed a lot of how I try to live daily and a lot of the posture that I try to hold in my heart that I hope has been evident to you guys um, and others. So I'm gonna start with the don'ts because there's some don'ts in here that Paul says, hey, don't do these things. Okay, if you look at verse three, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Selfish ambition. Can you guys say selfish ambition? It's really hard to say, right? Say it two times fast. It's really hard. Selfish ambition, selfish ambition. I was up here yesterday trying to practice because I was so nervous for you guys, and I just slaughtered that word. So if I slaughter it, selfish ambition really is hard to say, okay? But he says, don't do anything. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition. In Galatians, selfish ambition is actually listed amongst um, the sinful nature. Like, how do you know um, that you're, the way you're living is not aligning with Christ? How do you know that you're living um, kind of confused or maybe steeped in sin, well, one of those things is you have this selfish ambition. 
So what is that selfish ambition? Well, I learned how to say it, so I'm saying it a lot. Sorry. Selfish ambition. Um, selfish ambition is, is valuing, it's desiring anything in our lives greater than our desire for God to be glorified. Desiring anything in your life greater than that God would be glorified in your life. That is selfish ambition. Now, we'll loop back to that because that doesn't mean you can't have desires in your life. It just means that your greatest desire, your driving desire behind everything you do should be that God would be glorified. Jesus, it says in uh, verses six through 11 um, in the same chapter that he didn't wanna be glorified for his own name. He wanted everything to give the Father glory. Every reason he came was so that God would be glorified. And you see, in our life, we have so many decisions to make. I know you guys have so many decisions to make. Sometimes our choices, they're not always a conscious choice not to serve God. But sometimes they're just an unconscious choice to serve ourselves. And what Paul is saying is saying, hey, be really mindful. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition. Don't do anything out of vain conceit. Vain conceit, vanity, is like having a higher opinion of yourself than you ought, right? It's, it's having this conceit or this pride in who you are. He's saying be really, really careful about how you view yourself. So he, he gives these don'ts. Don't do anything out of selfish ambition. Don't do anything out of vain conceit. But then he gives some do's. He gives some do's. So you look there in verse um, three. He says, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Then he says, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So he gives these don'ts, but then he kind of counters them with these three do's. He says, consider others better than yourselves. Look not only to your own interests, but also look to the interests of others. So he gives these three things. But he says to do that in humility, and that's really important. He says, but in humility, in humility. Okay, if you look at the first verse of this chapter, I know I'm kind of jumping around because of the way these come together. The first verse right here, he tells you how to be humble. He tells you how to get this posture in your heart, how, how to have this humility. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort with his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, if you have any comfort from his love, if you are united with Christ, he's saying, you're saved. He's writing to the church. You people have accepted Christ. You have this foundation. If that encourages you, if you find comfort in that love, if you find joy and encouragement in this, if it actually really means anything to you, it's almost rhetorical. If it means anything to you, she's telling them it should mean so much to you, then be united in love and be united in spirit, be united in purpose. Let that be your driver. So if you have this salvation, if you have this connection with Christ, that should bring about this humility. Humility can kind of come from remembering who you actually are. In Romans, it says, um, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Do you guys know this verse? If you don't, you should commit it to memory. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought. Think of yourself in sober judgment. That's Romans 12, 3. I'm gonna tell you guys a really embarrassing story about myself that I go back to all the time for sober judgment on myself. Um, this might be hard for you to believe, but since I'm like the peak of physical beauty, but I don't have 
uh, really the most firm foundation of um, self-confidence in the way, in my appearance, in the way that I look. I've tucked my shirt in like 35 times this morning. Um, it's just not something that comes naturally to me, especially um, with body image. And so when I was younger, I accepted Christ at a really young age. So remember that, because now I'm in high school for this story. And we would go to the beach a lot. And we were at the beach one time in Galveston, and we were walking around, and this guy's walking around without a shirt on, which, like, isn't a big deal, except that we were in a store. Like, why isn't your shirt on? There are 35 shirts on that rack right in front of you. Like, your shirt should be on. You're in a store. So I'm standing here, and there's a long rack of clothes in front of me, and I can still picture it because I'll never forget it. And this guy was walking around without a shirt on, and I could kind of see from, like, his shoulder up, and he had like a shaved head, and I was like, well, look at that cool guy over there without his shirt on, just walking around. I'm going to walk around without my shirt on, but no, I'm really not. Um, and that's like the, the best part of the mental dialogue that was going on that I can give you. Um, that's like the sweetest part, if you know what I mean. I was really upset at this guy who I didn't know for walking around without a shirt on. He looked skinny, and he looks kind of buff, and I was just like so angry at him. Like it was ridiculous. So he walks around, and I'll never forget, he came around this way. And he walked around the rack and then was kind of facing me. And it's one of those things where, like, you don't want to look, but you can't not look. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Where you're like. And so I looked. Um, and thank God that I did because when I looked, uh, you want to talk about sober judgment. The first thing I saw as he rounded the corner was on his chest right here. He had a medical port that had been inserted. and It looked brand new. I mean, it was still kind of red and inflamed around it. If you don't know what a port is, it's like a medical apparatus that they can insert into you so that when you have to get treatment, they can just hook right up to that instead of having to keep giving you IVs. So he has this medical port in his body, and it was really flamed and inflamed and tender, hence the no shirt. And then he kept coming around the corner, and I looked up, and his head was shaved because he had this nice long scar that ran all the way down his head and down his neck, and it was also new, um, and it was stapled together, and you want to talk about sober judgment on yourself, right? When you have this moment of, I'm, I'm a believer, I have been a believer for years at this point, like my friends used to call me preacher man, which is absolutely ridiculous, and I am just tearing this guy apart. That is, that's sober judgment, right? We all have those moments where, I mean, I was just criticizing this guy that probably had brain cancer. That's sober judgment when you, when you really realize who you truly are. But here's the cool thing. Here's the really cool thing. I don't want you to get stuck on that because the truth is that by ourselves, like we're powerless. We're unworthy. But he says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love is what he follows that up with. So Yes, we're thinking about ourselves in sober judgment. We remember who we are. Like we know, you know, you more than anyone else in this room probably knows you. And that can be kind of a scary thing. The scarier thing is that, that Jesus knows you more and deeper and truer and richer. And he still came. So yes, like we, we have this sober judgment. Like we're considering ourselves in sober judgment, but also we consider that Christ's love is greater. And that is the encouragement of being united with Christ is that even though we're here, he knew that and he still came and he still loved and he still died. In Ephesians, it says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have the power together with all the saints 
to grasp how wide and long and deep and high is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. So you have this sober understanding of yourself at whatever stage of life that you're in. Don't forget that. Like, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Be truthful with yourself. Because when you're not truthful, what you're doing is you're taking away the glory of what Christ has done because he came for the sinner. Like, he came for you at your lowest and your weakest. And he said, it's okay, I'm enough. And so even though we have this sober judgment of ourselves, we know that Christ's love is greater, and that is the most humbling thing. So when it says, in humility, that's what we should be approaching these things with, in humility. We need to take this humility that's inside now, that we have this, and we need to live that out. That's his call, is to take that humility and live it out, because you can have all the right motives, you can do all the right things, But if you're not doing that out of this posture, if you're not doing that humbly in humility, it's all for naught. When I was preparing the sermon, another story of just ultimate transparency since I'm here um, is that I was preparing the sermon um, because I really, like really wanted to impress every single one of you. I'm new, you guys just asked my family and I to come here Um, we prayed, you guys have prayed, we accepted, and like I so wanted to impress all of you. I wanted to see my youth not on their phones looking down, but on their phones taking cool pictures of me and saying, that's my youth minister on the stage, right? I wanted, I just really, I wanted you guys to be like, wow, that, that story was right on, that point was right on, so glad we hired him, he's a great find. And you know, what I'm doing here is not wrong, like teaching is good. Um, The Bible says that the God appoints teachers. Like to be up here, I want you guys to know is like the greatest honor for me. Like it really, I'm so honored. And that's part of why I wanted to do good for you. But I'm sitting in this coffee shop um, because that's where you prepare sermons, I think. And I'm doing my notes. And these two college girls are sitting beside me. And I can tell you every single thing that is going on in their lives. Sorry. Um, I can tell you what Brad was doing wrong, everything. I mean, just literally, I could just unload for you, but I won't. I was trying not to listen to them. You guys know where you like put your headphones in. Again, you're trying not to pay attention, but you're like kind of paying attention. Um, And I was getting really frustrated at these girls, like super frustrated because I'm like trying to find all these perfect analogies and do this holy sermon. And they're distracting me from my perfect stories and everything. And man, Then I thought of these verses, like I really got allowed them to just land on my heart, where he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And here I am trying to prepare a sermon to make you guys impressed with me, which is totally wrong, right? Preaching the sermon is not wrong, but it almost was, right? I almost missed it because I really wanted to do well for myself and not do well for God. And then I think of 1 Corinthians 13, and he says, if I, if I teach or if I preach or if I prophesy, if I speak in tongues, right, if I can understand every single mystery, if I give everything I own, even if I, like, give my life, but I don't do that out of love, I gain nothing. In fact, it even says, I am nothing. So the best stories, the best sermons, you know, we can do that in every area. It's not just preaching, right? We want to 
do our best at work. We want to do our best with our families. We want to do our best, but oftentimes we want to do it to glorify ourselves. Oftentimes we're wanting to, to raise others' opinions of ourselves in such a way that, again, we're not consciously not serving God, but we're kind of unconsciously serving ourselves. So Paul's saying, what's your driver? What's your motive? Is it humility? Are you maintaining this humility about everything that you're doing? <clears throat> so the proper posture is remembering what Christ has done for us. And that's really every, everywhere, every decision that we should start with, with our time, with our families, with our work, with our hobbies, with our pains, with our sorrows, it should be that God would be glorified because that's one of the promises we have in the Bible. There's this quote that I want to read for you guys. It says, um, it was by John Stott, and um, he's a theologian. He said, it's easier to be enthusiastic about humanity with a capital H than it is to love individual men and women, especially those who are uninteresting, exasperating, depraved, or just otherwise unattractive. Um, loving everybody in general can be an excuse for not really loving anybody in particular. So what Paul says to do here, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Consider others better than yourself. Individual people. I'm not just talking about like, oh, people are great, humanity is great. I'm talking about individual people in your own lives. Consider them better than yourself. Um, there's someone in my life that I wish wasn't in my life. Um, I've shared a little bit about this with, with some of you throughout the search committee process and things. Um, there's, when someone hurts you, like that's one thing, and you can kind of like take that let it roll off your back, or if you're a fighter, you know, whatever, whatever. But when someone hurts your family, that's a different kind of hurt, right? When someone goes after the ones you love, that's a deeper wound, um, especially for me, because I can be really empathetic. And so I hurt when people hurt. And there's a man that's hurt my family a lot. Um, he's caused us a lot of grief, a lot of pain. And um, through some things that are kind of still unresolved, um, basically, he took two of our best friends' lives, um, made some stupid decisions, and they're gone. And I get, when, when I think about this situation and it's unresolved and it hurts, and then I think about these verses and he says, well, in humility, consider others better than yourself. And I think, that's not possible. Like how, how can you step into that and consider someone better than yourself that by all means, you rightly know in your own logic, he's not better than you. But then again, we have to have this posture of humility. We have to have this posture of remembrance. How can we do it? Well, it's because Christ did it, right? That's our reality. That's this reality that we should live with every single day is that Christ did it for me. He stepped in when I wasn't worthy and said, no, you are. You are worth it for me to endure this. You're worth it for me to go through this. And he stepped into that. It should not just be something that we know. I know a lot of us in here know this, and that's great, and that's a good place to start, but it shouldn't just be something that we know. It should be something that informs every part of our being, every part of every way. 
verse eight in the same chapter. <clears throat> Christ was found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and he became obedient. And what did he become obedient to? It was to service. It was to death, to death on a cross for us. And maybe, just maybe, that's exactly what we need to do is to maybe allow ourselves to die to ourselves so that we can allow Christ to fill us up, right? It says that I must decrease, he must increase. Maybe we need to let parts of ourselves die to ourselves so that he can, so that he can fill us up. So he says, consider others better than yourselves, which is really, really, really challenging. And then he says, look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. There's an important piece here. He says, look not only to your own interests. That only is a really important word because it means you still have to look to your own interests. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. So there are things in our lives that we have to take care of. Like there are things in your life that God has entrusted you to be a steward over, your family, your time, your finances, your job, your situation, your circumstance. He's entrusted you there a lot of you guys have hurts, I have hurts, you have worries, you have things going on that take a lot of your attention. Well, Paul's encouraging these believers, he's saying, take care of your own stuff, right? Focus on your own interests. You have to do that. Even, even Jesus, when he was teaching the disciples to pray, he taught, pray to God, give us this day our daily bread. God, here's our needs, here's what we have. Here's where my family's broken. Here's what I can't get past. Here's this situation at work, or here's this, I can't decide on my major. I've got to decide what to do after school. I'm in a lot of trouble at school. I've got these struggles in my family. You have these things. Jesus said, present those to God. But then the prayer moves on, right? He keeps going. You've got to give them to God and then let them go in those areas where you feel like you can't make it happen. He says, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Right, he keeps going. And you've got to keep going because he says, look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. We've got to do them both. And if you're only doing one or the other, you're missing it. He clothes the lilies of the fields, right? He knows when every sparrow falls. He will take care of you. So you give your worries over to God. You trust him to, to take them and then you move and you, you do with other people. You do life with them. You serve with them. You love them. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And that's what all these postures of our heart, that's what this is building to, is this understanding, this deep, deep understanding of what Christ has done and how that directs our actions and our motives. So we're, we're taking care of our own stuff. We're valuing others higher than we value ourselves, but then we're also helping others. We're, we're doing life with others because we've received grace and we've received life and we've received service, so we give those same things back. Um, if you don't know how, if you don't know how to serve or how to get involved with people, that's okay. Uh, the Lord does. The Lord knows exactly where you need to be. There's this really amazing verse in Ephesians. It says, for we are God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which is really cool, like God created us to do good works. But then it also says, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. So even if you're worried about not knowing how to serve, not knowing how to go out and live focused on others, when you have so much going on, it's okay. Christ has already purposed these works for your life. But you're thinking, well, maybe I have all this other stuff going on. It said, look to your own interests. My own interests take all my time. If you are too busy to serve someone else, the bottom line is that you are just too busy. Because we are called to do both of these things at the same time, and that's a hard truth. And there might have to be some sacrifice made. But you gotta look to the interests of others. I think about Andrew, um, when all these thousands of people were seated out, and the disciples said, well, we've gotta feed these people. And Jesus said, what are we gonna do? And Andrew brought this little boy with the sack lunch and said, well, it's not much, but here's, here's a little bit. And that is all that Jesus required. He already knew. It says that he had already purposed what he was gonna do. Andrew bought this little boy's lunch. Jesus blessed it, multiplied it, and fed thousands and thousands of people because Andrew was just willing to bring what he had. That orthopedist I told you guys about that had to fix my dumb shoulder when I fell over a dumb tree and fell down a dumb hill, he, I was in there for one of those appointments and I was watching him serve and he was at a volunteer clinic, so he was giving his time. Um, he was working with this Hispanic woman who didn't speak English. Um, he, he was um, Oriental, um, so he had kind of an accent, so it was really fun to watch this dynamic. Um, she had knee pain and he was trying to help her with her knee pain and she had been in there a couple times, I had seen her, and this was kind of the final appointment. She'd had a scan and he was telling her the good news of you don't need surgery. Like your pain, I know, it's, that's not good news, but the good news is that it's just because of your posture. Like you have bad posture, you're on your feet all day, so your knees are hurting and your hips are hurting. Your posture starts with your shoes. It's like your shoes, I'm sorry, but they're worn out. You gotta get some new shoes. He said, what size shoe do you have? I can recommend you some places. And she told him, he was like, oh, okay. Well, try my shoes on because um, they're brand new and we're the same size. And he had like the most beautiful tennis shoes I've ever seen, like from places I don't shop at. I have no idea where they came from. But he took them off and he put them on this woman and she starts walking back and forth and she's like, oh my gosh, this is, makes such a difference. Thank you so much. Where can I find these shoes? And he said, well, you can find them right there. Those are yours. And she was like, no, no, I could never. And he's like, no, yes, please take them. They're your shoes. Take them and, and go to work. And, and those shoes will last you a, a long time. They're orthopedic shoes. They're made to last They'll help your posture. They'll help your health. He just brought what he had. This is a doctor that has more awards than I can tell you, um, did wonders for me. And he's walking around his office in, these, in socks and these little funny sandals all day because he gave his shoes to this woman. He just, he just brought what he had. But he was ready. He had sandals in the car. He didn't know what was gonna happen. But he just brought what he had. In 2015, 10% of the world's population lived on less than $1.90 a day in 2015. $1.90. I spent more than that on coffee yesterday. Twice. Um, again, we're transparent here. 10%. But here's the amazing thing. In 1990, that was 36%. In 1990, 36% of the world lived on less than $1.90 a day. In 2015, 10% of the world did. 
that's not because there's these really rich people giving all their really rich money because they have so much really rich money. It's because people are just giving what they have. One in five adults suffers from anxiety and depressive disorder. One in three teenagers suffers from anxiety and depressive disorder. We saw that this week on our campus, right across the street. It is a real thing. One in seven families in this community are hungry, have chronic hunger in their home. At the place I used to work at, there was a counseling center um, connected to it. Someone asked the, the head counselor one day, what's the greatest need that you see here? We saw drug addiction, alcohol addiction. We saw abusive situations. I mean, all kinds of things I can't even describe for you guys. What is the greatest need that you see? It took him about a second. He said, it's hopelessness. The greatest need that we have in our community is just, it's hopelessness. It's this darkness. That's heavy. That's really heavy. If that's not heavy for you, you need to take a minute and let that be heavy. Because there are so many people who are living in darkness. But the beautiful, amazing, wonderful thing is that Christ has a purpose for us and he created us to do good works. And he said, you're going to be a light. You are the light that I'm sending out. And I don't make a lie to hide it set you up as a city on a hill to go out and to be this light and to share this light. Guys, no matter what, no matter what your gifts are, you have gifts because you are made by a craftsman and you are, it says, his masterpiece. If you're a basketball player, then go play basketball with someone who needs someone to play basketball with them, right? If you're a teacher, go teach somebody. If you're a listener, please just sit down and listen. There's so much need for someone to just sit and listen. If you're, if you're a cooker, then cook for me and other people too, mostly me, um, or a baker. My family loves baking. If, you, if you're a servant, then go serve coffee. If you have a little bit of extra time, then give it to someone. If you don't, make it, right? He says, consider others better than yourself. Look to your own interests. Take care of your own stuff. And if you're struggling with that, reach out to someone. Take care of your own stuff, but also serve others. You bring your gifts, you guys. He, he will multiply them. That's what he does. I want to conclude with these verses for you. In, um, I'm going to read 6 through 11. Or I'm going to read 5 through 11, actually. In that same chapter, Ephesians 2. And this is what gives us that ultimate posture of humility and informs us. He says, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of his servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You guys, may we be of people that live in such a way that we're putting others above ourselves, that we're taking care of our own business, but we're helping other people take care of theirs, and we're doing it as Jesus did 
and this posture of humility and to give glory to God in every single thing that we do. Let me pray for us. Father, I am so grateful and, and just blessed to be a part of this congregation. Lord, I'm blessed to be a part of a people that welcome others in, um, not just here in this church, but just in your church, God, in your holy church. What a privilege it is to be called your son. So we are grateful, Lord, and I, I thank you for these words, this encouragement to live, um, to live out, to live inside out as you did, God, to be focused on um, the things of this world, to have the burdens in our heart that burden your heart, God. So we pray that you would do that, that you would help us see the world as you see it, and that we would love it as you loved it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.